Welcome back to the Basketball Coaches Roundtable Podcast. Today's guest of the roundtable is Jay David, Executive Director of the New York Jayhawks and Assistant Coach of Long Island Lutheran High School in Long Island, New York. Welcome to the Basketball Coaches Roundtable Podcast, BCR. Today we have a guest of the roundtable, Mr. Jay David. He is the Executive Director of the New York Jayhawks an assistant coach of Long Island Lutheran. Uh, Jay, let me just introduce uh, to you to the other coaches sitting at the round table. I know you know most of them. We have uh, Chris Ballerini. He's the head coach of DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx. We have L. Green, BCAM High School in Brooklyn. We have Dan Murphy, Monmouth University. We have Jay Griffin, John Jay College, and Alex Mirabel, sporting a fresh dew from St. Peter's Prep and the Dominican national team. Yeah. So we each get one question of you, and I'm, I'm going to start first. Um, I have to say, one of the things that I admire uh, about you and the Jayhawks program is uh, the service that you do uh, in the community. You know, most recently, you know, I see you're giving shoes to the frontline workers. You you're started a 5K to raise funds for uh, COVID-19 and, and the community uh, relief. I want to know, why are these acts of service so important to you? And why is it important for the, your program to have the young, young athletes involved in the program doing these acts of service? Um, that's a good question. I think we get lost in the fact that uh, we have elite, we, when I say we, I mean just our culture and our demographic and our you know, business, we get lost in the fact that we have elite level high school basketball players or elite level college or NBA, um, however you want to put it, we get lost in that, but we forget what the actual term grassroots stands for, which is really from the ground up and being able to serve from that space and help people grow from that space. So everything that I do um, is about servant leadership, right? I'm not perfect, um, you know, but we work really, really hard for all of our kids that come into the program to be servant leaders. So they need to go back to their school, right? And help their friends understand why it's so important to give back. Like I said before, it gets really easy to sit around and not do anything because there's no basketball. But one question you could ask yourself during this pandemic is what and who, I'm sorry, two questions is what am I? I mean, what do I stand for and who am I, right? And if basketball is all you are and all you stand for, then I'm not doing a really good job of helping your parents raise you or giving you opportunity to grow. Thank you. Uh, Chris Ballerini, DeWitt Clinton High School. You got a question for Mr. David? Yeah. Number one, thanks for coming out here today, man. Thank you very much. No problem. Um, thanks. So the, the big thing here that we have issues at the high school level, and you know, I kind of dug into your story a little bit as well, is fundraising. Um, we need funds. And now with the, with the COVID-19, there's going to be even more difficulty in, in uh, I guess, getting money just to, to have regular tournaments, to, to have pay for referee fees and things of that nature. What has been your best, uh, I guess, way to, to raise funds? And um, how did you get, I guess, everyone involved in, in, that, in that endeavor? Well, the first thing is not to be shy um, because we tend to 
be worried about asking or, um, you know, saying, hey, we're trying to raise money. So you can't be shy because where you're doing it for, what you're doing it for is pure as possible. You're not doing it for yourself. You're not taking money to put in your pocket or anything like that. You're raising money for your students. So um, don't be shy about asking or trying to raise those kind of funds. Um, the other thing is you want all of your students to be involved so they understand the, the level of commitment it takes to run that program. Right. And when they do that, they have a different they have a different look. They have a different understanding for you and a different respect for you, because now they're like, well, this is what coach has to go through to raise money for us to go to certain places or do certain things and things like that. The fact that we're in covid, it changed the way that we usually do fundraising, um, because we need to keep in mind that there are some people who are not working. There are some students who are at home in underprivileged areas. Um, so we ask for small we ask for small donations from a lot of people. I'm almost positive that we could have raised 30 to $40,000 with that 5K that we had, but we literally only wanted five to $10 donations because we know that it's difficult for families to maybe come up with money to donate to other families, even while they're struggling. Our job is to try to be the, the conduit for everyone. So, um, you know, don't go, don't ask for too much and just try to spread it across a, a couple of different things and and uh and go from there but we're so involved in the community that we're able to get you know those kind of numbers i think we raised about 15 on our 5k about 14,000 and change on our 5k which majority of that is going towards food pantries and and feeding restaurants right um obviously you have a different you know aspect to it because you're in a school maybe a team store you know um i work with adidas and we do a lot of different things a team store allows for you to, you know, get some clothing with your school on it um, and sell those clothes at, you know, not too high of a cost, but you end up getting a profit back on that fundraiser, which allows for you to go ahead and, and take that and put it towards your program, you know, um, just do different kind of things. I think getting in the community is probably the best um, way to do it, but those kind of things are, are important. The first, those three things are extremely important. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. L Green. As a, what are some challenges you face with your dual roles? Um, per se, your assistant job at assistant job at Lua, and your AU as executive director. Um, you know, just wearing those two hats. And I'm sure, like kids at Lua that don't play, can you guys on a jailhouse? Maybe they're with PSA, Gachos, or something or something else. Like, how does that conflict? If it does, um, just the two different roles. Well, I'll answer the last part of it. It doesn't conflict because I every AU program or every national team program or uh, any program period that sends their students to Long Island Lutheran, they don't have to worry about us interfering with that, right? You trusted us enough to send that student to our school to play basketball and get a really high level education and be developed as young men and women. So we won't come in the way of that relationship. We've always made that promise. We've never taken a student from, say, PSA sends a kid, Loren sends a kid, Gaucho sends a kid. We don't tell that kid, hey, come play with Jayhawks. We don't do that. Like, I think what happens is you lose the trust of the coach and then you tarnish what Long Island Lutheran or what we have built at Long Island Lutheran and people are no longer trustworthy. There will be some programs who aren't comfortable fully with sending their kids there. But that's fine. But as you mentioned, we've had a majority of the programs in New York 
have students at our school. And it's really helped us because we've been nationally ranked for the last four years, um, for, for literally for the last four years. And we've always been pretty good, you know, before that, but we've been nationally ranked for the last four years. So um, I think it's a the conflict doesn't happen because we stay as honest as possible. We don't try to poach anyone's students um, on the travel basketball side. And we allow everyone to come into the gym and, and see what we're doing. Um, in terms of like conflict for my other positions as like now I'm full time with Adidas, um, handling, you know, community and a bunch of other things. Um, it's the conflict is minimal. There is one major conflict. Uh, Long Island Lutheran's a Nike school, um, our boys and girls programs. And I obviously can't be like pictured in Nike or any of that stuff. So that's the major conflict. So when we go away on trips and stuff like that, I have to get like polos like these that are regular golf polos that have Luhai on it and stuff. So that's probably the biggest conflict. In terms of time, um, during the preseason, we have our preseason workouts, and those are usually three days a week. But I go to physio there, so I'm there with the kids when they go. Um, they go twice a week. I go three times a week. So um, it's a really, really amazing gym called Amp Fitness in Syosset. So um, the preseason is not that bad. During the season, anytime we travel, I've always been able to make my schedule according uh, or around that. Um, I haven't, knock on wood, missed any games in the last eight years, um, except for my obligations during All-Star Weekend with Adidas these last three years. I've had to leave to go or leave right after a game. Like this year, we had Patrick School in, in front of 3,000 people. and uh, we played that game at seven o'clock at night and my flight to Chicago was at five o'clock the next morning. So, you know, I, we, they do a really good job of, of understanding what my role is with Adidas and not, um, you know, causing conflict. And I give them my schedule in advance. Thank you so much. No problem. Dan Murphy question for your buddy, Jay David. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Jay, good to see you. And Newman, thanks for not making me go last so people don't take my questions because I don't know if I can come up with questions as good or as many as, as these people. But um, if I can get a, a two for one, I would appreciate that. Um, one, aside from talented players, what are you looking for um, in your student athletes just aside from their ability to hoop in, in both your programs? Um, and then with the amount of talent that you have in both programs, you know, there's one ball to go around and you have a lot of guys that can do a lot of things. So how do you get everyone to play together, kind of promote that concept of teamwork? So a two-part, well, if you wouldn't mind, please, Jay. It, it's a two-part question, but one, one answer for both. Um, it's character, right, and who that person is and the fabric of that young man. We don't have bad kids in our program, quote unquote, right? So um, we don't have kids that aren't willing to buy in. We don't have parents that aren't willing to buy in. Like we don't recruit just the student. We recruit their parents. We recruit um, the, the, the families. We recruit their high school coaches, you know? Um, it, when you recruit the entire circle of that young man, you get to understand what that young man is made of and what he's actually built right? How he's built. And it allows for you to say, hey, maybe he's a Jayhawk player or and maybe he's a Crusader or whatever it is. But the, the one thing for both of those questions that allow us 
to be really, really good on and off the floor is character. And we don't, um, we don't, we don't like mince words with that at all. We, we do not mince words with that. We are what we are. Like our program has literally turned down high level, high level. I'm talking top five kids because we just didn't believe that they would actually fit what our program stands for. Do we have very good basketball players? Yes. I believe that's because we put in an earnest effort into finding out everything about those kids. Um, I'm almost positive I've called Coach Mirabel and had 30 minutes, 45 minute conversations about students um, in or around his program because we're trying to find out as much information. And as you know, um, from scout school, like you want to find out that background information because remember, you're on the road, right? So you're putting 36 kids on a plane to Los Angeles, right? And you get to Los Angeles and something crazy happens because a kid doesn't have the, the moral fabric, right, to, to carry himself the way that you want him to carry himself. What ends up happening is the entire program suffers from that, right? And our program is not a program that's just for basketball. We are a community-based program. We are a mentorship program that happens to have a very good basketball team, right? So no matter what, it's character first, and we don't deviate from that at all, ever. Appreciate that. That's a really awesome answer. A lot of good stuff there. Thank you. Jay Griffin, John Jay College, you're up. Hey, how's everybody doing? Thanks, Jay, for coming on. No problem, brother. Thanks for having me, my man. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm heavily involved in AAU as well. Um, I know what kind of got me to the Jersey Force was the player development. I think in New Jersey, we kind of do it best. And I've long admired <laughs> your player development because yeah. I think you guys do it the best. And, and yeah. you obviously do it on a different scale. You do it nationally now. So I kind of wanted to ask a two-part question. Um, how is your player development different from others? Um, if you can kind of get into some quick specifics. And how has that player development helped you with your relationship with colleges and college coaches? So um, teaching is what our player development is. Um, you can get in the gym with someone and show them as many crossovers as you want to, um, you know, and dribble a little, whatever you want to do. You can teach them that all day long. But we teach, right? So if you come into our gym, we're teaching you college-level stuff from college-level offense to college-level defense. So if we're, we're teaching you defense, it's full help side, two feet in the paint, if you're on the weak side, um, early help outside the paint at the block, crack down to make sure that there's no dribble drives and kicks, no strong side help on, on the drives off the wing. Um, we teach like a college level team. So what ends up happening is when they get to guys like yourself, you don't have to teach them different type of, the vernacular might be different, right? Because you might, you, you might call downing icing, you know, oh, but the vernacular might be different, but the, the terminal, I mean, the, the actual, system and the way it's done is the same right and we pride ourselves on that and that allows allows for us to go away and be very very good so if you ever look at our roster our roster is usually comprised of about two to three nationally ranked kids right so you would think how is a program that doesn't have 10 nationally ranked kids that good on the road knock on wood we've been very good on the road because the character and our coaches do a very, very good job of teaching. Every single coach in our program 
outside of myself has either played division one coached at one, two or three. Right. And they're able to pass that knowledge on to the kids. You know, for me, I didn't play just because of injuries and stuff. I didn't play. I went to UMass. I've been around Ross Burns pro hoops. Uh, Hoop group was my first job. I take that stuff very seriously, you know? So when we do our, our professional development, that's what we call it is that we teach. We don't just do skill development. When you're coming off of the screen and roll, you need to understand that you're not coming off the screen and roll at 90 miles an hour because you can't read the defense at that point in time. You're not coming off the screen and roll trying to snake every single time. So everything we do, we're teaching as we go through it. And so it, 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 the two things, it helps the kids, but it makes the practices very long. So you have to be intentional with the time that you're using to teach them. So that's what we call professional development. We don't call it player development. We call it professional development. And what, what, how many, how much time do you kind of focus in on that per practice, if you don't mind me asking? So normally our practices are anywhere between two to three hours. And then, so let me, so our schedule if, during a normal year is that you would come in because we have kids from upstate New York and obviously kids from Jersey. You come in yep. on Friday, right? Everyone meets at the Boys and Girls Club at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Um, the Boys and Girls Club is about three or four floors and it has two gyms. One is a really small gym and one's a big gym. Everyone rotates. Say 17U is in the big gym, 16U is in the small gym, 15U is upstairs doing their homework in the computer lab, right? So it's about, it's, it's really a full day, but everyone gets two, two and a half hour slots of practice, right? Um, be it either professional development or actual team work where we're figuring out plays, we're talking about our presses, we're talking about zones, we're talking about everything else. And then we talk about personnel of who we're playing and what those teams are and what our standards are for those programs. So about two and a half hours a day, um, two times, Saturdays and Sundays. Great. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Jay, I want to follow up on, on what he just asked. When you have them rotating through those three floors, are yeah. your coaches rotating also, or are they yes. staying so each player can see all the different coaches in, within your program? All of our coaches, this is another reason that we're extremely, I love this program. None of our coaches get paid. They're all volunteers. So they volunteer their Saturday and Sunday. Our strength and conditioning coach played at Stony Brook. Uh, his name is Dante Blades. He will not move from his station unless it's time for him to go to practice, right? So um, normally he will stay in the strength and conditioning section until it's time for him to go to practice so they can start breaking stuff down. Every student in our program, every coach in our program must know each other because you're not always going to be able to speak to me. I'm the only one that doesn't move from 17U. All of our coaches rotate, 15s, 16s, and then – one of the coaches will come to 17 with that group because they've been with that group the longest. So we'll rotate it that way. But everyone knows every single coach and they see every single coach. So professional development, we have one weekend where it's like a retreat where everyone's in a gym together. We go through the same plays, the same defensive sets, the same offensive sets, and then we do strength and conditioning together. We do skill work together. Um, and so they see everyone. There's never a time where it's just one person. We are in essence from the top to bottom, an actual program. So they can understand that everyone is in this together. When we go away on trips, 
our 15s and 16s come to 17 new games when they're not playing and vice versa. For instance, last year, we lost at the buzzer to Compton Magic in the Adidas semifinal championship for the championship game. We lost at the buzzer. We couldn't get a shot off. They beat us by two, right? Right before that game, our 16U was in their semifinal game, right? And they were down 22 points at the half, right? We were, we were waiting to go. And I called the guys and I'm like, hey, it's time for warm-up. Zed Key goes in the group text, no. I said, Zed, what are you talking about, bro? Like, come downstairs. He's like, no, Jay, we can't leave. The 16U are in the middle of a comeback, right? So normally I'm like, sheesh, like they're about to expend all this emotional energy. They're not going to be able to play, you know, when it's time for us. They stayed there. The 16U came back, won that game, and then won the, the, uh, the Adidas um, gauntlet 16U immediately after that. So our program has always been extremely tight-knit, um, and I love it because of that. Oh, that's great. Alex Mirabeau. You hear me? Yeah, we got you. Uh, I have two questions since, uh, since Griff and Murph, you know, out of two. Uh, first question is, uh, what is it going to take Jake Davis to, to be a college coach, Division One? Well, uh, Alex, one, I appreciate you asking that. I think um, it's all about timing. Um, I've had some opportunities over the last three years. Uh, two different opportunities each year over the last couple of years. Um, the first thing was financially, uh, they kind of were backwards from where I'm at now, right? And usually, I don't usually do anything in, in regards to money, but I have a daughter and I have a house and we have to take care of certain things. So that caused me to say, let me wait a little bit um, and then try to you know move forward. The other thing is I don't want to be a recruiter um, I want to be able to go to a college and ingratiate community. I want to be able to teach. I want to be able to develop and I want to be able to help plan, break down film. Um, I don't want to be just a recruiting coach. Um, am I good at that? Yes. But I also think that like all of you in this room, I'm a darn good coach. So I don't want to just be a recruiter. I want to be able to build and help the community grow like what I'm doing now. So, you know, God willing, um, the opportunities will come back. Um, I've been very, very blessed um, to be frank with you. I don't think I took, made any money the first few years that I started to have a biology degree and my mother's a doctor and I was supposed to go to medical school. I dropped out of that. I think the second year, um, I think Murph knows that. And like, it just, you know, this is what my passion is. So, um, you know, in all due timing, I think it'll come. And when it does, I'm hopefully able to kick some ass and be really great at it. So. I would love to see you at a big time you want. And uh, my other question is, uh, what's your take on, on these athletes transferring in Division One, and, uh, you know, the grad players leaving? And, like, like what's your take on, on the transfers in Division One basketball? So I can only speak for us. We've only had a few, and, um, and those were from coaching changes um, the last couple of years. Um, we haven't really had a lot of transfers. Um, and, and the grad transfer one, before I answer the meat of the question, the grad transfer one, um, I don't mind it because they're getting, you know, a secondary degree. 
Um, some kids are moving from, you know, a mid-level or a lower level to a higher level, and they want to just be able to experience it. And that's what college is for. Um, so I, I have very little issue with grad transfers, very, very little issue with grad transfers. Um, overall transfer market, it's concerning. And it's concerning not because of the numbers, because, I mean, look, soccer like has a lot of numbers. Football has a lot of transfers. It's just not just us. I mean, we live in this fiefdom where it's only basketball, but it's not just us. The major issue for me is education. The people around those students are not educating them about their opportunities appropriately. Meaning that when you sit down at a table with a student and you have four offers, five offers, four of them are Mac, one of them's a Big East, right? And the people are like, well, you should go to the Big East because the Big East, why? He has four Mac offers. That means most likely he's going to be a very good Mac player, right? And he should go to the Mac and play in the Mac. Instead, we have people that are telling these young men or for themselves, they want to live vicariously through the students. Hey, go to the Big East because it's the highest level, right? And everyone's going to say, oh, well, you went to the Big East. Well, you get to the Big East, you're not athletically ready. You're not mentally ready for the rigors, right? And then you struggle, right? So for us, it's not about, you know, level, it's about fit. So you have to make sure that it fits. So the information that these students are getting is poor in the beginning. Like, you know, they're not understanding what's really in front of them. They just want to go to the highest level just to say they go to the highest level. The other side of it is there's a college basketball is a business, a real business. And there are people and coaches who have conversations at the end of the year, like, hey, you're not going to fit here next year, right? So you may be better off going somewhere else, and I'll help you, you know? But you may be better off going somewhere else. Um, it, it's, 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 it's a double-edged sword, but I think the first part of it starts with information, um, and it starts with educating our young men and women about the opportunities that they have. And I also believe that we live in an area, New York, New Jersey, if you're a low-major kid, everyone thinks you're a mid-major kid. If you're a mid-major kid, everyone thinks you're a high-major kid. And if you're a high-major kid, forget about it, you're LeBron. You know, so um, I have big-time issues with it. And it, it, the issues that I have are with the fact that there's a lack of education for our students and they're not able to actually get to where it is that they need to get to because we're giving them false information and false hope. Then when they don't make it, people back out on them. They leave them alone. They don't talk to them anymore all because they thought they were a failure. Um, and the other part about it is, what are you actually chasing? Are you chasing the MBA? Are you chasing the degree? Are you chasing overseas? If you don't go high level D1 for some reason, people call you a failure. If you don't go to the MBA, you're a failure. My man, I'm not a failure. I'm in Greece making $3 million with a beautiful woman that I would have never saw living in Brooklyn. Like, what are you talking about? And I have two degrees. Like, how am I a failure? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, my, my lady, my, I, I lucked up. My lady went to Cornell. She has a great job. I'm not a failure. I'm doing great in life. You know what I mean? But I just think that um, the, the, the way people, the perception, you know, um, and the way people treat everything is just, is, that's the issue I have with transferring. Now, to follow up on it. Do you think that low division one schools are like the new JUCOs of the world? Just give a kid for a year or two and then they leave for a high major? Because that's how I see it now. 
you like in C team, you know, like you get a kid ready for a year or two, so like you kind of know he's already going to leave. So do you tell players that? Do you recruit them that way? I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure some schools do. I don't consider them the new JUCO, um, <laughs> I, but I'm sure. I'm sure some some coaches do that. Um, to be quite frank with you, I do worry about. I was on the phone with a couple of a Mac coach this morning. I do worry about the the the, the lower levels. Although the Mac is a mid major league, I worry about the leagues like the Mac and the NEC when kids do really well there with these new rules. Like they're going to start getting plucked. Like, like colleges, why would they come to the Jayhawks and get a kid that's a freshman that could play at their level, right? When I can go get a transfer that could play right away, right now, from another school. That's the issue I have with those rules. Um, but overall, transfer, like I said, it's to each his own because everybody's situation is different. So I, what ends up happening is we judge the collective, right, because there's so many. But we don't know what's happening you know, with all of that. But I do know that a lot of people aren't educated appropriately. Jay, I, I just want to end, end this uh, with one thing and kind of following up on what Alex had said, because um, the AAU season was canceled. Um, the high school season is kind of in doubt, um, either due to the pandemic or due to budget cuts. Um, how are you... Um, either at Lujai or more specifically with the Jayhawks and how can you give us advice? How are you advising student athletes that might not be getting seen as much as they would have in during, during the AAU season and, and the high school season? How are you helping them get to where they want to go? Well, um, for us, it's very, very different. Um, we have a, a, a pretty large Rolodex of college coaches, right? And I think every single class of 21 student in our program has multiple division one offers. Um, we're going to start advising during our phone calls this week um, for students to commit relatively early and not wait till later, right? Um, I think that's extremely important because we don't want to get them in a space where they're just waiting for something bigger, but they're not going to have a chance to showcase that that opportunity. I do believe there'll be a basketball season um, in the first quarter of 21 and maybe something in the, in the fourth quarter of 2020. Um, but who are we to wait for that to happen? You know, um, we're very vocal about promoting our students. If you look at our social media, we post different students from all age groups, especially the 21s from top to bottom, uh, you know, because we need them to be able to play. I'm not sorry, not play to be able to be seen. So they're in a very tough spot. Um, I am not a big proponent of putting any of our kids in a van or plane to go play in a live stream tournament somewhere to try to get them scholarship offers. We can do all of that here. We've done it. We're proven. This year we put 13 or 14 in the college. Um, last year it was nine. The year before that it was 12. Um, so we have a track record of putting students in the college because, like I said, it's about fit and we beat the phones. Our very last student was with us since eighth grade. He was Andre's backup, um, and he ended up with a full Division II scholarship to Post University in Connecticut, and he got that offer in April because we were beating the phones down. And, I mean, he, shit, he was Class A player of the year, you know, um, so he, he's really good, but um, he was in a, in a lower league, and no one really saw him outside of when he played for us. 
So right now, it's just really important for you to have coaches and, and people around you that are going to allow for you or allow to, to, to send out your tapes and beat the phones for you and let them know that we have very talented players. And all of that comes from the fact that you've been able to build cachet and the coaches trust you um, because you're not lying to them. It's not as if I'm calling Kentucky and telling them, hey, come recruit, you know, my boy going to post. Kentucky's going to be like, yo, Jay, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, that, we're not doing that. So you have to make sure that you understand level and then you can make the proper calls to those schools and, and push forward. But the class of 2021 is they're going to have a tough time, but they need to make sure that they have someone behind them. Um, in terms of high school, um, I'm just really concerned, like you said, with the budget cuts. Um, right now, we're, we're in a, a, a time that's extremely reminiscent in terms of the, the violence in the street of the 80s right? New York hasn't really had what's been happening these last few weekends, um, you know, since I was a child, you know, all of these were 64 murders, I think I saw, or whatever it was. Um, so the, the budget cuts in the public schools is very concerning for me, because if you take away the budget, you take away the programming, and you're telling those students that they should go to uh homeschool and the parents have to deal with all of that what we're not helping those kids we're not protecting those kids we're not taking those kids off the street you know it, it's just tough i mean the fact that and i feel bad for the you know the public school educators you guys have to give pass fail grades do you know how nuts that is that pass fail grades in in calculus that's insane now here's the other piece this is the thing that no one talks about. So you give a pass-fail grade, right? What the hell happens when that kid has to take those transcripts and send them to the NCAA? What grade point average are they getting? Where do they fall on the scale? You know, like all of these things are concerning to me. I'm very concerned about budgeting um, and I'm worried. I'm really, for the first time in a long time, I'm worried about our state. I'm worried about students who have IEPs. I'm worried about the students who are home who have mental health issues. Um, I'm not worried about the basketball because quite frankly, programs like PSA, Jayhawks, Rens, the rest of the New York program, I'm almost positive they'll do a good job of promoting their kids and get, I'm hoping that they're getting on the phones. I know PSA and Rens and a couple others are and Jayhawks are, but in terms of education and budgeting, I'm very, very worried about our students. I think we all are in, in that regard. Um, Jay, thank you so much for your time today. Um, wow, thanks it, for it, having me. Yeah, thanks. it was, it was great. Um, you know, um, I wish we had some more time. Maybe we can get you on for part two. Um, yeah, this, let me know. This was wonderful. And I, I sincerely appreciate, uh, you as, as, uh, as friend and for all you do for, uh, the community. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I was happy to see all you guys, man. It's been a while. Um, you know, um, Alex, good luck with all those children. Dan, you too. <laughs> Jay, I know you got a bunch. And uh, Ellie and Chris, I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you so much.